When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer, and today I am joined by Daddy Daycare, Graham Thielis. Hello, how's it going? And Daddy Longlegs, Robert Borthwick. Hello. Hello, Craig. We are going to talk about all the midweek action in the Scottish Premiership. There were three games on Tuesday, there were three games on Wednesday, and that is exactly where we are going to start. And Graham, since you and I haven't appeared on a football podcast for many, many months now, we're going to treat you by kicking off with Motherwell's superlative victory over Dundee United. Of course, there was two goals in five minutes in the first half from Devante Cole and Chris Long gave Steelman the lead, but a late consolation from Ryan Edwards ensured a nervous finish at Fur Park. Thewlis, talk to me. Are you pleased? I'm absolutely delighted. Just more than anything else, it was the first time I've watched a game recently that I actually felt like I gave a shit about. Like the yeah. what I really How need come? about football is just just a bit of jeopardy for a, just for once. Like watching Mother of Women mm. rubbish, I actually quite enjoy. It doesn't really bother me that much uh, whether we're good, bad, and indifferent. But just a bit of jeopardy. The whole thing this this season to date, kind of for everybody. I think I think all of us have had this conversation at some point or another. Just saying that football, just like it feels almost like a like a chore that you're working through. It's, I think, well, I, I, I'm obliged to watch this, so I'll go and watch it. It was actually really good fun to watch. It was an entirely reasonable game um, mm-hmm. uh, to start with as well. United are United are in big trouble, um, I would say. Yeah. We are also in big trouble as well. United are in a position where up in the run-up run to the split, I think they play Rangers, Celtic, Livingston and Kilmarnock. Which looking That's at unfavourable, moment, yes. That is an unfavourable run of fixtures and if when you're looking at it, this is kind of the game that they needed to take three points from. They are on a slide. 
you would imagine even against Celtic, Dundee United um, are probably not going to get a result there. Against Rangers, they're not going to get a result. Livingston are apparently unbeatable at the moment. Um, <laughs> and that leaves Kelly just before the split as well. So it's a really tough run of fixtures that they've got before they go into the split. Okay, well, come on to yourself, Robert. Uh, Graham's thinking that Dundee United are in big bother. Would you agree with him? I mean, that's 1-1 and 11. The last time they recorded a victory was against Kilmarnock, and that was just before Christmas. Where is it going wrong for Mickey Mellon's side? Or, as you called him, Michelangelo Melancholy on, on Twitter. I thought that was quite amusing. I didn't like it, but I did snicker. I, I did notice that you don't you, you don't like many of my tweets, but it's nice to know that uh, some, some form of entertainment was found. Um I said on the podcast with uh, Big Duncan McKay not that long ago that Dundee United, uh, you know, they, they did get a couple of results whereby they scored late in games uh, and they were able to get results. Luke Bolton uh, scoring late uh, at Easter Road and stuff like that. And I said that that wasn't a sustainable model uh, for a good football team. And it's it's absolutely spot on. <laughs> they've they've been absolutely. I mean, their lack of creativity um, has been spoken about for quite a long time. I know Mr. Craig Fowler uh, pulls his hair out uh, at it quite often because they've got, you know, guys like Lauren Shanklin, Mark McNulty, Nicky Clark, uh, guys who have scored goals in the past who are now just basically bereft of any sort of service. Um, but, you know, they started losing goals as well. in The midfield three that, that started the season uh, that I was quite impressed with, which was, you know, Butcher, Harks and Pollitt. Um, they, they've been kind of torn apart recently. Uh, Giangelo Fuchs has, has come in um, and he looks mm-hmm. like a decent player, but, you know, one player doesn't make a good team. And it's just properly uninspiring displays uh, from Dundee United just now, being saved quite a lot of the time by Ben Segrist. And even then, yeah. quite often, that's not enough as well. Uh, teams are getting through them far too easily and, and they're losing really poor goals. Like the both goals uh, against Motherwell, Devante Cole, um, it's, it's a bit of pinball in the box, but United have to be cleaning that before it gets them. And then the second goal, Ian Harks uh, in the midfield gives it yeah, away. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's little lapses in concentration that you can't even call them lapses anymore. It's just, it's really poor form. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, it seems to be continuing. And United fans appear to be uh, losing patience a bit with uh, Mr. Melancholy. Yeah. It was you mentioned about Craig Fowler. Just to say, Harks had had an absolutely terrible time up against Alan Campbell in midfield. Like that, that goal was obviously the most obvious example of it. But Harks just didn't know what to do with him. Campbell was much closer to what we've expected from Alan Campbell. But that was just Harks all game long was just finding himself everywhere he turned, everywhere he moved. Alan Campbell was standing on his toes, taking the ball off him, and it was just relentless over and over again. I did kind of, it was one of those ones where you kind of feel sorry for a player because you think, surely somebody else notices that he is completely out of his depth against Campbell. It's just a complete mismatch. So someone somewhere has to look at that and go, do you know what? You go and stand over there, and then we'll stand somebody else next to Alan Campbell because he just, <laughs> he absolutely bullied him throughout the entire game. One of the talking points before the match, Graham, was Declan Gallagher's absence through injury. Uh, what's the What's the story there? Uh, what the story there is that uh, I believe Declan Gallagher the real story injured. the real story <laughs> the real story as has been explained is that Declan Gallagher is uh, is injured and went for a scan uh, whether the, the whether that's true or not I've absolutely not the faintest idea the suggestion was that he is very close to uh, triggering a contract extension with Motherwell um, if he plays an X number of games at which point there's a year extension which is added um, he had a story in the I think it was the record saying that Motherwell were holding a gun to his head um, which was um, if he if he continued to play 
realistically, I think the fact that Motherwell have brought in two more centre halves probably indicates that whether it, whether it's true or not, well, three centre halves you count fully as well to drop back in there. Whether it's true or not, I don't really know. But I would suggest the the fact that Motherwell have brought in a bunch of centre halves was in anticipation um, for Gallagher leaving. In saying that, Mugabe continues to sort of confound and look like a very reasonable centre half when he's asked mm-hmm. to kick the ball 30 yards and 50 yards and 60 yards. He put in a couple of really nice challenges last night. Ricky yeah, Lamy was that one... Sorry, was that I was going to say, Graham, that one for ba- Barry Maguire's back pass there. It was, uh, I think it was Mark McNulty was clean through and goal and Mugabe just comes out of nowhere and takes the ball right off his toes. He's got proper sp- inspector gadget legs, which probably helps for things <laughs> like that as well. Um but the, like he's done very well. Lamy came in last night, who's been much maligned by the Motherwell support, with kind of reasonable evidence for why. Um, but if you ask him to go and play centre-half, he is a very reasonable and passable backup centre-half, which is literally what he was signed for. He's just ended up playing an awful lot more at left-back or around the team than he really should have done. But good for him. Delighted for him. Delighted to take three points for the game as well. There was a, a lot of positives from it. Chris Long's improvement yesterday, just simply by taking a, one of the nines off his jersey and giving him a single nine rather than a double nine, seems to have improved him immeasurably. There's improvement from Motherwell, and when you look at Kilmarnock, you look at Dundee United, you look at Aki's, there, there are teams who look like they're almost falling apart in front of your eyes. Motherwell were there about, what, six weeks ago and th- at a point in the season where it becomes very important that you start putting together a run of form, we've got back-to-back wins and that's all, the, of the last two games, that's all we could really ask for on that front. Yeah, so I think the first half particularly was very impressive from Motherwell. Robert, we'll talk about both goals that, that came within the space of five minutes of each other. The first one was Devante Cole scoring, as you mentioned, a bit of pinball in the box for an improvised finish, I think they, they, they call it, with a, the outside of his foot flicking it underneath uh, Seagrass's legs. And then Chris Long, a brilliant finish from, from 20 yards later. You, you talked me through some of Motherwell's play during uh, those goals. I think um, the main thing for me, but especially with Devante Cole's goal, is, is you know, he's... He is beginning to score more goals now, and I've, I've been impressed with his sort of range of finishing. You know, quite quite often he he side foots the ball uh, when he's when he's putting the ball past the goalkeeper. You know, he, he thinks about what he's doing quite a lot. He's quite a methodical finisher, and I'd like I'd, I'm not going to compare him to his dad because that's just stupid. But the way that he the way that he thinks before hitting the ball um, is is really impressive. And again, like it, it was pure defending. It wasn't an, an aesthetically pleasing goal. Uh, his his one I, I still don't quite know how it ended up in the back of the net but the way that he was able to sort of manoeuvre his body uh, and, and get get the ball into the back of the net sort of by hook or by crook really impressive uh, and again you know Graham will know better than me on this obviously but Motherwell have had quite a few strikers recently uh, all of whom <laughs> can play all of whom can play quite impressively but none who can really put together a, a sort of run of games where they get a bunch of goals um, Tony Watt earlier on in the season obviously uh, had a, a bit of a purple patch but I think Devante Cole's probably shown now that he is a, a really decent finisher but the second goal like we've kind of already said Ian Harks takes such a heavy touch in the midfield it's mm. it's really poor I mean you can say like oh the conditions were bad the fur park pitch hasn't been wasn't as good as it has been in recent years it, it doesn't matter it's a square ball that's coming to him on his left foot he has to take that down and, and sort of drive forward Dundee United were actually in a pretty good position if he had taken a good touch there as well um, and the finish is absolutely brilliant I mean like I sort of said touched on earlier Ben Seagrist is a magnificent goalkeeper um, at Scottish Premiership level he's shown it all season and to beat him and give him absolutely zero chance uh, from outside the box, it, it takes some doing. 
but they were able to do it. Um, so two really good goals, and that that just killed the game stone dead. I think uh, you know, I like how Dundee United said in their uh, on their Twitter feed that it was a late rally uh, from United to, to try and get back into it. But I don't think the game was ever in any proper danger, even with uh, the added time on and stuff. Graham, again, I know you'll disagree because <laughs> you're invested, <laughs> you're invested in the game, and you've you've got a horse in the race. But um, I, I I think that it's just sort of endemic of what Dundee United are in the last few weeks, whereby they lose a goal and the heads go down, and that's that's really really a dangerous position to be in. So we, we have just a note for listeners: we're recording this using clean feed, so I can't see Robert or Graham. So if there's any queer silences, I was expecting Graham to jump in there. He was expecting me to. Well, we're having a, just a great laugh as as we go. <laughs> uh, do you think? Do you think that was a case, Graham? I was going to ask. That was actually going to yeah, fall yeah. on there, Graham. Do you think that was a case? I mean, you, uh, Robert's saying about uh, Dundee United heads going. There wasn't an element of danger in the match. Do you think that was a case, particularly after Ryan Edwards pulled one back with ten minutes to go? At two nothing, it felt that Motherwell could go on and score three and four. There was a moment, I think it was after the second goal, where Devante Cole took the ball from the halfway line and literally ran past five Dundee United players. And it wasn't great skill that took him past them; he just ran past them. They were just running out of his way. Um, and at that point, you looked at it and went, "You know, we could we could comfortably go and win this game by three or four. In the end, Edwards' goal kind of put them back in the goal, put them back in the game. And the the more the game went on, in hindsight, looking back at it, United didn't have any great chances. Uh, the ball that broke through that Kelly at the time, I thought it was a, a wonderful save. In the end, it was it was a save he should be making. It's just a case of we've not had many goalkeepers this season that have actually saved anything. <laughs> so ever, everything feels a bit like a fairly remarkable save. Um, but there, there wasn't a huge amount in it beyond that. It got frustrating and Motherwell being denied a penalty for Nathan McGinley getting kicked in the face um, was somewhat astonishing as well. Um, and that makes up for the, about the three or four penalty calls that in, in the, the space of one moment that Dundee United had turned down. Well, possibly, yes. I'm being, um, I'm being facetious. I don't think any uh, of them were penalties. I th- the the handball was the, one that hit off someone's hand that looked a wee bit close. I thought um, Coles wasn't, Campbell's might have been, um, but uh, Fuchs uh, tried overhead, kick the ball, but getting Nathan McGinley's face and then United somehow getting the ball out of that um, seemed a very odd decision given that Nathan McGinley's just did his face burst open by somebody's boot, but nonetheless, life goes on. And again, as I say, take the three points and fuck it. Like, absolutely, <laughs> I'll be delighted with that and then we go on to the next game. Yeah, just before we move on to the next game, Graham, are uh, you pleased what you've seen from Alexander so far? Yeah. Um, given that he has brought in some players in the January transfer window who look, given quite how skewed the centre half he's brought in, given how skewed his nose is, that gives me a lot of confidence in him, given that he's a centre half with a big squint nose, so I'm, I'm all for a bit of that. Um, but most importantly, the last two games, we've won both those games with 10 players, I think, that um, it's essentially the same team that Robinson had plus Liam, Liam Kelly so what we've kind of felt all season is that there is something there within the Motherwell team it's broadly the same personnel that finished last year third this year we've struggled and struggled and struggled but it kind of finally feels a little bit like we're turning a corner um, so it's, I spoke to one of my friends earlier on this season who was saying that for example Dundee United just don't create that many chances and have been very fortunate which is kind of why they are where they are in the league whereas Motherwell mm-hmm. on the flip side of that create plenty of chances but aren't clinical in any way at all so yeah. they're underperforming where United are overperforming and that's kind of how the game felt last night on a whole 
Yeah, definitely would agree with that. Now, from ML1 to ML3, where Hamilton Academical lost 2-1 to Ross County. A Stephen Kelly own goal gave Aki's lead, but two late goals from White and Mackay. <laughs> not the, not the oh, thing, that would be ridiculous. No, sorry, Jonathan Sutherland, uh, Stevie Thompson, no, one, one of the two of them uh, made that joke as well, so I'm ripping them off. But no, it was uh, Jordan White, one of your old boys, and uh, Billy Mackay got his first goal in 17 games uh, to give Yogi Hughes' side uh, the lead. I've got my notes here. It was just the tipple for this Staggies Robert Save me from that Awful joke No I, I want to just Have a bit of silence So you can <laughs> well, just, let, just let, let that one hang So you can die on it um, <laughs> no, Oh sorry I, Actually before Sorry before we talk About the match um, Can we talk about the, the sacking of Hamilton Aki's TV commentator Bobby Pullock Bobby Bullock, this is a, if you've not heard, and I imagine all the listeners have, this is a gobshite who boasted about going for a crap at half-time <laughs> and then continued to labour the point. I think he uh, thoroughly merited getting his jotters for that. wasn't funny, completely immature, completely unprofessional. Uh, from, from what I've heard... Um the the jobby was the tip of the iceberg on that one. I think uh, I think there was a, a few a few complaints uh, about his lack of knowledge um, and uh, lack of passion for the Aki's. I would say um, yeah. in the last few weeks. So I I, I think that uh, the going for a shite at half time and then telling everyone about it uh, was really just a, a pleasant excuse uh, for the Aki's hierarchy to get rid of Mr Bobby Bullock um, I'm not sure any teams will be rushing to get him back uh, in a commentary position I'll do it <laughs> what a shite <laughs> no Aki's commentary I'll do it sign me up <laughs> just, get, just get, me, get me the house man uh, uh, yes, I think we could we could all be doing with uh, with leaving the house. Something that Poppy Bullock won't need to worry about anytime soon. Uh, does anyone have any any thoughts in the game? It seemed to be your, your typical standard fare from Hamilton Aki. Sort of a lot of like reasonably good play at points. Sometimes they look reasonably wor- well organised, but we see we're cut apart from some both goals. Very incisive, particularly the second. One. I think Jordan White deserves a lot of credit for uh, one his actual finish that was in the right place at the right time, and then two the the ball that he put over it. End for, for Mackay to score. Any thoughts in the game itself, Robert? I think um, it's two it's two poor teams who are really fighting to get away from that bottom end of the table. Um, Ross County, <laughs> Hamilton. I will never ever confirm that Hamilton are going to get relegated until it's actually mathematically done. But this season, there's just been way more moments where you think, right, actually they're in some proper proper trouble here, and that this is just another one of those moments. In this season, uh, Ross County went dominated possession, dominated chances, um, dominated the play. Really, I think Aki's got off to a great start. I think Bruce Anderson coming in obviously uh, did really, really well to to set up the own goal. Um, you know, he made it sort of came deep, um, put a good pass into Hodson, who then played it over the top for him. Persistence with the crossing, and then obviously uh, Sean Kelly knocked it into his own goal. So you know. There was a wee bit of uh, promise there, uh, obviously, that their, their new signing could maybe do something for them. Anderson went on to do little else in the game. Uh, I just, that, what, you, what you're talking there, what, what, what do you guys make of Bruce Anderson? I think, so, Callum Elliott. Right. Basically. Jamie Mole. Yes, he's got, he's definitely got ability um, and he's definitely a professional footballer and he'll definitely play at a decent level for his career. But I don't think... I've not seen anything that suggests he's really going to kick on and become the player that he maybe promised when he first came through at Aberdeen. Yeah. You know, score, scoring that goal against Rangers. Of course. Um, having a, a really sort of fruitful loan spell, coming back to Aberdeen, expecting some more game time, 
getting some game time, not really showing it. And then since then, it's been a couple of more uninspiring loan spells uh, that he's spent away from Pataudry. Now he's got, a, obviously, he's, he's got another move in the top flight for how long, we don't know. Um, and that, I think this will be the biggest test for him, to be honest. Uh, does, it, does it... Sorry. Does it feel a bit? Uh, does it feel a bit sort of Lauren Shanklandy as well? Um, given that he was a guy that, in that sort of similar sort of vein of being in Aberdeen and just not ever really quite making it at that level, and then dropping a couple of, as you say, uninspiring loan moves, and then maybe just dropping down a level. And Shanklin, to his eternal credit, seemed to sort of twig at that point. It was a case of well, I either get my shit together now and sh- and do the things that I know I'm good at and work hard at the other things, and then I get to be an international striker. Um, it's too, too, Graham, it's you too late for that. Um, Bruce Anderson's already been at Air United and it didn't work out for him. So oh, yeah, that's, that's the end of that, yeah. We can expect to see Anderson pitching up at Stenhouse Muir at some point in the future, uh, playing six <laughs> games, one goal perhaps, and then disappearing. Uh, but sorry, but we're, 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 I died pitching, pitching up at Darrell. Uh, they they announced it as like a man who once scored a winning goal against Rangers. That'll be him for the for the rest of his career. Right, so we kind of we kind of uh, lost run of ourselves here when we were talking about the the match Graham, Um What do you think then of uh, Aki's first half performance? Like I don't know, like I, it was a bit of a strange. It, it, like Robert said, it's two poor teams, and they, both of them just kind of looked like they lacked confidence throughout it as well. And the way that Aki's set up, just it, it feels like they're they, they stick guys who are like for whenever I see a dolphin playing in central midfield, it feels like a very awkward thing to be doing. Given that when he was at centre half at Aki's, it looked like a very sensible fit. He was brave, he was strong, and he won things. And I understand that he dropped that in midfield, and again, you you have a physical element in there that perhaps you don't get otherwise but again it just feels like a constant and always, I mean this isn't true of this season it's true of just about every season it always feels like there's, there's square pegs and round holes where if you just tweaked it a little bit and just went a bit simpler with things it might improve that said I'd say Aki's probably just shaded the first half a little bit Um it was, I think the way in which the game changed, you could sort of tell, it seems very obvious given that White had such an impact in the game, but the substitutes, the substitutes that Ross County could make came on to change the game, the substitutes mm-hmm. that Hamilton Ackes did, made, just didn't really feel like they added uh, anything to yeah. it as well. It's more of the same, just of, basically swapping like for like. Just swapping guys in and then hoping that they improve it, and it, none, none of them really felt like they did. Whereas, obviously, as you say, uh, White and Mackay had a, had a huge impact in the game. I thought Lakin as well added a bit to the to the county midfield as well. Um, Hilton, I thought, kind of had that. He felt a bit sort of. He's been very good for county in the last couple of games, and he felt a little bit sort of waylaid in this game to an extent. Um, but again, being able to swap Hilton for was it, I think it was Gardine came on as well it's just that that sort of reliable person to come on and whatever you get out of Michael Gardine is always going to be a reasonable performance one way or another mm-hmm. whereas Aki's are looking at bringing guys who are kids off the bench or guys who are just not quite fit like Nathan Thomas off the bench as well and I think ultimately County probably shaded it in the end on that basis and as, as you say the, the two contributions from White were absolutely fantastic even Aye. making making an awful lot out of what was a, a truly terrible cross from uh, Jason Smith. <laughs> I'm not sure what it was it seemed to be just I'll belt this into the box and hope for the best and well it, it worked because uh, he was at the right place at the right time but talk to me a wee bit about I'll, I'll go to both of you start with yourself Graham he didn't uh, Jordan White didn't have the best of times at Motherwell had done quite well at Ross County I think perhaps people were surprised Surprised that he got the move back into the top flight. In fact, back into into the top flight with, with Motherwell. Uh, didn't have much of an impact there, but seems to well certainly a very good impression so far at County. 
It's it, it's funny that you see players who have sort of sliding doors moments. Uh, White in his early time in Motherwell won a penalty which was then missed. Had two goals ruled off for not very much to be honest. And he's it kind of felt like had he got we it was very similar when we took out Alex Fisher from Inverness in his first game for Motherwell. It was against Rangers. He skews a shot just past the post and then for the next three four months that's basically his contribution is just putting things just wide. And you kind of felt if that one goes in for him he'll go on and score fifteen and for White. Again, you kind of felt that if if one of those had gone in, it would have given them the confidence to kick on. For him, go to Ross County, presumably that he's he's got the sliding doors moments for them. So maybe for the rest of the season, he turns into being the useful player that Motherwell obviously saw when he was at Inverness. I spoke like a few Inverness fans spoke to me after we signed White, and they were surprised that we'd taken him. Um, yeah, presumably we'd seen something at that level, and um, that we felt could translate at a top flight level. I presume it was a case of an option off the bench, which we we now have now have through our big sort of genetic Superman Harry Smith. Um, but that option off the bench is a. He is not nearly as dynamic a player or as good a player as Ross Stewart was, but he is a more physical player in, in, in the way that Ollie Shaw and Billy McKay are not for Ross County. Mm. So they need to have a, a focal point and a number nine there. So maybe he is that guy for the rest of the season for them. Robert? Yeah, I, t- I, I was never really all that... All, I wasn't hugely impressed by Jordan White when he was at uh, uh, Cali Thistle. Um, saw him play against Hearts a couple of times. And, you know, the Cali fan, they liked him. They were like, oh yeah, like he's he's okay, and then he got moved to Motherwell, and everyone was like, oh right, well maybe he's better than than we've seen, um, and yeah, it, it didn't work at all at Motherwell. It's a very very good start for him at Ross County. You know, sometimes strikers just find football clubs that that are good for them, uh, that they can make an impression at. I would say that I wouldn't be judging entirely off of a, a, a game against a, a tired young Hamilton Ackes team. Uh, he's going to have to put a lot more graft in to, to obviously get Ross County properly clear of it. But yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those signings that you see between Scottish teams that literally sort of when you see it, your eyebrows maybe raise like a millimeter, and then you forget about it until <laughs> that player scores, and you're like, oh, he was rubbish for the last team. Um, so yeah, I, I think very good start for him. Uh, obviously, great for for Ross County to beat uh, and, and well to have an impact from a player against a, a, a relegation rival um, obviously Definitely. is hugely important so it could you know if it comes down to at the end of the season you'd say that is a great signing uh, even just based off this one performance Is there anything else to be said about this game? Am I right in saying that Aki started with seven defenders? <laughs> yes Yes, cool. No worries. Yes. That's that's all. Not, I have not to all, say. not not all playing in defence, but that seems to be their 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 setup at the moment is just lash on as many defenders as they possibly can. Ah, you've well, got um, yeah, Hamilton, Martin, Easton, Hodson, Adolphin, Sterling, and McMahon, and then Ross yep. Callahan is the one midfielder. <laughs> Somehow Scott McMahon still found dramatically out of position at left back again. <laughs> um, so just week to week. Fair enough. Big. Aye, big Norm Macdonald at the YouTube Award vibes there as you were lifting listening to those players there. <laughs> Robert. All the stars. Yeah, we'll go to I- yeah, all the stars are here tonight. We'll go to Ibrox where Rangers recorded a 1-0 victory over St. Johnson. Bit of a, Rangers didn't necessarily have this all their own way. Uh, St. Johnson bit of a, a, a very uh, stodgy performance against them, limited them, thinking to only two shots on target in the whole match. But nevertheless, one of those shots was a lovely goal by Yanis Hadji. And that allowed the teddy bears to squeak past the St. Tees. Rangers are now just six wins away from clinching the title. And all things being well, they could win it at Celtic. Park. Uh, Rangers play some nice football sometimes, don't they? 
they do, they do, they do play some nice football sometimes. Um, didn't see a huge amount of it in this game. I think uh, they huffed and puffed a little bit. And St Johnston, um, I, I watched the St Johnston game uh, when they played at Ibrox at the start of the season. Uh, they ended up getting cuffed, but they saw you saw a similar sort of setup uh, whereby they they kind of flooded the midfield. They made sure that the forwards were sort of harangued into into positions where they couldn't really influence the game. Uh, so Haji, Roof and Kent on this occasion um, didn't have all that much to go with. Uh, you saw, like, Cedric Eaton came on um, earlier than he usually does uh, as maybe an indication uh, to say that, that they weren't having it yeah. all their own way uh, up top. But no, I mean, it's... I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to say what everyone says when a team at the top of the table grinds out a result, but you know what I mean. It's that <laughs> it's that kind of day for Rangers. Um, they they didn't need the three points, to be honest. They don't need to win every game between now and the end of the season to win the league. It's a foregone conclusion. But they got the three points anyway, so good for them. Um, Kamar Roof should have been sent off. Yeah, that's what I was going to come on to. I was going to ask you about that, game. Certainly the big talking point in that match was Kamar Roof uh, putting his uh, studs right into Murray Davidson's leg. And really bad tackle that warranted certainly more than a yellow card. I think the bad news is that Davidson might miss the League Cup final against Livingston at the end of the month. Um, any thoughts on the tackle? Anything to expand? Can you defend Kamar Roof in this instance? I'd be astonished if anyone that isn't a Rangers fan uh, on Twitter can actually defend it. It was an absolute shocker. And to, to be fair to Roof, I don't think it was a malicious one. I don't think he intentionally went in to do Davidson. He went in to do that thing where he sort of steps over the ball and shield it, but oh, he, yeah. completely mis- he completely misjudges it. It's, it's, an, it's an absolute shocker and he should have been he should have straight up the tunnel for it. It was really, really poor. Um, there's, there's nothing more to say about it. Really, I'm astonished if anyone has any other great feelings on it. What, what um, I would say is I believe that Davidson's injury is not related to the tackle. Oh. Um, I believe that it's a it's a muscle injury, a muscle complaint, which wouldn't be like him. Um, but <laughs> I I would say that um, you know the the direct aftermath of the tackle, Davidson is he's lying down, but he doesn't seem to be in too much discomfort, and that kind of backs that up. So I'm not. I need to double check. I need to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's a, a muscular complaint uh, that Davidson could be missing the cup final with. Um, what a what a just furiously unlucky man he is. Um, it's a t- Phil Lord was getting dug out for this on Twitter last night by Rangers fans saying it wasn't horrendous how can something uh, unintentional be horrendous look at the pictures it can still be horrendous even if you don't mean it I, I always remember uh, Nani playing for Man United against Fenerbahce in a Champions League game the ball goes over his head and he goes to take it down what he oh, doesn't he kicks realize someone right is in the face doesn't he? he he kicks him in the throat Ugh. And the guy basically like crumples down, and that's unintentional. It's horrendous. <laughs> it's yeah. you know, it's not it's not really thinking about uh, the, the opposition and and giving sort of due respect to opposition players. It, it's it's going in a little bit thoughtlessly uh, whilst trying it's to reckless. do something. Whilst whilst trying to do yeah exactly whilst trying to do something completely innocent, you can still put in a horrendous challenge. And it's lucky this didn't have horrendous consequences. Um, from Murray Davidson because that that's that looked like a, a leg breaker all day long. It's yeah, just as well Murray, Murray Davidson's bones are basically kryptonite. It's just these muscles that are that are wasting away around them. <laughs> Incredibly uh, strong bones, but terrible ligaments and cartilages and everything else. Eh? One of the thing, one of the things I wanted to add was just how good Craig Bryson was in this game. Um, since yeah, he came to St Johnston, yeah. he's been kind of, he's kind of felt like he's. 
I don't know, Craig Bryce is one of these guys that you always assume is quite good because he performed at a high level in England and was well liked by Derby fans for such a long time and he was good when he was in Scotland as well and you always kind of anticipate you know, Craig Bryce is a really good player. He never really seemed felt like he showed it at Aberdeen. But last night I thought he was really, really good. He was he was dynamic, he was attacking, he was strong at the back. He was kind of everything that you expected him to be and it's something that we've not seen possibly all that often as well. And just in addition to that as well, Jamie McCart, while Jason Kerr and Liam Gordon I think are very well thought of by St Johnston fans and, and probably the more well-known members of that St Johnston back three Jamie McCart is a very very good centre half and, and every time I see him I'm more and more impressed by him it was, it was fortunate enough to be it's been a good signing for the, them since coming in for Kerr it has yeah it was fortunate enough to be at the, the League Cup semi-final and it was interesting listening to it again because you obviously you listen everyone listens on the TV now because you hear everything that's there but listening to it in the stadium as well um Kerr and Gordon and Clark spent the entire game just shouting for Jammer because what they know, like Kerr is a is, is a sort of halfway between Gordon and McCart and he's a, a reasonable footballer and a good defender. Gordon's feels like much more of a stopper. Clark certainly as well is he's okay with the ball at his feet, but the entirety of the the ninety minutes, all three of them were just looking for McCart to make himself available because they know give him the ball, and the way that McCart distributes the ball um, from the St Johnston defence is a such a huge part of how they play as well. And he's every time I see him, I'm sort of gradually more and more impressed by him because I've, I've sort of conversely seen quite a lot of St Johnston recently, and every time I see him, he is a very very impressive young defender, well youngish defender at this point. You you just like him because he looks exactly like his dad, don't you, Graham? That's all it is. I was, I was I, I stopped myself from saying he plays similarly to his father as well, but I've I've said it now. Yeah, I was going to try and sound uh, reasonably educated about St. Johnson. I was going to ask what do you think of Craig Bryson's performance, and I was going to ask about the three uh, centre backs, but you've uh, you've done that for me, and it looks like I'm piggybacking off of your good point uh, rather than <laughs> coming to one to the table alone. So thank you very much, Graham. Uh, there's not much I suppose to say about Rangers other than what we've already spoke about. I think Ryan Kent and Joe Rebo linked up well at times up front. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're very, very good footballers who are about to Aye. win a title. And it's like, I, I hate being that boring with it, but it's like... Yeah, I, I, you don't want to be dismissive, but they are, they are very good. There's only so many times you can really talk talk about how, how good something is. Aye, that, that's kind of it. I think like the big the big sort of um, focus for me when I was thinking about this game and, and obviously when I was uh, looking over the highlights and stuff like that, McGregor's save from Bryson uh, towards it, a great save. Great save because that ball's going back across him. Uh, he, yep. he does really well to get his hand to it. Rangers have conceded seven goals in the league this season. One set Ibrox. It's mental, absolutely mental. It's like you know, Hellander's uh, coming to the team more recently. Uh, obviously, to start the season, guys like Katic and, and all that were getting a lot more game time. Um, but Hellander has been absolutely superb since he came back in. He is just a, a magnificent defender, a decent footballer as well. Connor Goldson should have scored in this game. That would have taken him to ten goals for the season, I think. And yeah. then obviously you've got Tavernier, who's got. Um, 14 goals or whatever it is Barisic has got 8 goals and it's like that defence and the goalkeeper um, who just turned 39 the other day um, has just been absolutely unbelievable this season and you can talk up Roof and Hadji and Morelos and all these guys as much as you want but those guys at the back have just been unbelievably good yeah defences win championships Robert oh, there you yeah. go Goals win games, defences win championships, and happy birthday, Shagger McGregor. Remember um, when he was a tabloid fodder with Leah Shevlin a lot of the time? Crazy days, crazy days. Yeah. Did you guys read her blog at the time? It was absolutely sensational. 
Oh yes. Oh, I, I, oh yes. I did not, but I know exactly what I'm going to be doing once we finish this recording. <laughs> so it sounds vaguely threatening. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll dig that out. But uh, we're going to the games on Tuesday night, and we're going to start where Neil Lennon's boys bounced back from their boob at St Mirren with a reasonably comfortable win over Kilmarnock. Scott Brown opened the scoring, Odson Edward bagged the brace, uh, both assists by Colin Doyle there, and Albion Ayeti got his first goal since September. Um, we'll talk a bit about Kilmarnock. This was their first game since the departure of Alex Dyer, and um, it was James Fowler who was managing the club. He's he's taking charge on an interim basis. I think whilst the scoreline was reflective of the game itself, there was periods when you think Kilmarnock looked all right, and if they'd been a bit more sharper up top, they could have probably taken something from this. Maybe. I'm making my voice go higher because I'm not sure myself. <laughs> I don't know if they'd have taken something from it. Um... I don't know. It's a strange one. It, it feels it feels difficult to be critical of Celtic who who won a game for nothing. Um, I don't know. Did you see there was a thread on Twitter, Graham? I, I don't know if you saw there was a Celtic thread. Well, I, I, I just didn't. I just didn't think. I didn't think Celtic were very good. The, 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 I think at the back there was like a number of times. I think it was I. Exhausting to say that. I mean, for for the goals they, they were good going for. I think particularly in the first half before Scott Brown scored, there was loads of overloads. Particularly, uh, I thought uh, John Joe Kenny, who's coming in loan from Everton, had quite a good game. He put in a number of good balls coming down the right. They were particularly rampaging down that flank. But defensively, there was a thread on Twitter that Craig Anderson, uh, a well-known Kilmarnock fan, uh, shared, and it was basically talking about although Celtic looked good going forward, there were a number of issues at the back. Like the number of space, sorry, the number, the amount of space that they left, um, the, the the failure to win duels, uh, and a better team could have taken uh, advantage of that. And it seems like four 0 is an impressive result, but when you actually analyse it, he used terms that I've never heard of that it wasn't all that impressive. I think uh, a big key to what you're saying there, Telfer, is a, a better team uh, could have uh, taken something from that game. Unfortunately, it wasn't a better team, and that, that this Kilmarnock team is looking really, really poor. Uh, you know, even with Alex Dyer leaving uh, through the week after their quite embarrassing um, comeback defeat against St Johnston, they just, you know, we, we talked about Dundee United earlier on having little ideas, and and you know, it's just everything about Kilmarnock feels poor just now. Uh, the defence. Even with you know Dickamona and Rossi coming back in and stuff like that, feels poor. Hornstrup, um again, he's he's had some sort of boobs recently. Colin Doyle is the worst goalkeeper in the top flight oh, distance. Jesus, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, like on behalf of Hearts, I suppose. Sorry, Kilmarnock. Oh, I don't know. it's like I, I see that um, just actually just breaking that Albion Ayeti might be pulled up for diving for uh, the, the penalty, but putting that to one side, I mean, Colin Doyle should have saved that, and then for the, the third goal, that's I mean, it's a good ball over the top from David Turnbull, but surely he should have been out there to at least sweep it up, or not just like you know the, the thing about goalkeepers leaving their leaving to make themselves bigger. He like curled up like he like he his hands like a. <laughs> Like a little uh, Dilophosaurus, it, just it, all, all, cur- all curled into himself. It reminded me when I'm putting goals at fives, uh, and when yeah. someone goes through on goal, and you're like, he's going to smash it, so I'm just going to sort of wince away from this a wee bit, uh, and that's that's exactly what Con- Colin Doyle did. I saw like Craig Gordon, who's an actual goalkeeper, uh, saying like, "No, it was a good finish." <laughs> I was like, "Nah, like yeah. y- you have to, you have to say something about the goalkeeper in that situation." Like you're saying with a Yeti getting pulled up for diving I would say it was certainly very much exaggerated the fall from Albion Ajeti 
He did clip Gives him, the referee something to think about, though. That's that's the thing with Doyle coming when when he's going away from goal like that. That why did he, he come the out? Referees, oh, jeez, oh, because he's not. It's because he's not very good, Robert. He's just not a good goalkeeper. He's a bad goalkeeper. Well, there there is the answer I was looking for. Thank you. Um, but no, like like Celtic. Um, I suppose you can say it, you you've seen that from Celtic quite a lot in the last like two years, and that you know. The, the slide of their amazing performances under Rodgers has been constant since Rodgers, even actually during a little bit of Rodgers towards the end of his tenure. I don't know why I'm doing the big exaggerated slide sign uh, sort of with my arm here and no one can see me, but it's it's been a very uh, sort of gradual slide in performances, but they were still able to pick up results. And we've kind of seen like a like a, a sort of throwback to that in this game, where Celtic didn't have to be amazing, uh, but they were still obviously more than good enough to to score a bunch of goals with the players that they have uh, and the the resources at hand to to sort of see off a team who's in very poor form um, at the moment. I know Celtic are in poor form as well, but it's kind of like sometimes players just remember how to do things. Um, and again, David Turnbull has just, just been a, a massive part of anything that good Celtic have done in the last like t- two or three months. Uh, and he got another couple of assists on, on Tuesday night as well. So so they're not quite back yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, no, miles from it. Absolutely miles from it. Aye. Pure magic. Magic. Oh, well, the couple, one parent player that did catch my uh, for Kilmarnock was uh, Zeno Rossi at centre back, and although he was quite poor for a Yeti's goal, he seemed to get rolled by the Swiss striker a little bit easily. A number of excellent last-ditch challenges that, that that he put in. Uh, what do you guys think of the Bournemouth Looney's performance? It kind of feels like if he if he played in a if he was playing in a good team. He would look like one of the one of the like one of the stars of the season. Unfortunately, he's playing in a Kilmarnock back four, which seems to change on a week to week basis. On because somebody's suspended or someone's injured or somebody else has COVID, um, so they're kind of left to their own devices. Which I don't know. It's a difficult to tell. That it's one of those situations that where he looks good because he's about the only one there that seemed competent on the night, or whether he is, is actually just quite good and is dragging the rest of them <laughs> as best he can. That's uh, that that's 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 a lot of, of, of my thoughts as well. I think with uh, Ajeti's goal, it's so unfortunate because there's not a chance in hell Ajeti means to make that perfect touch that puts him through on goal. Uh, and I think that that's sort of that's shown a lot in the fact that uh, Rossi was Rossi kept his eye on the ball the whole time, but he was done by the fact that it essentially just bounced off Ajeti's shin, uh, and then obviously Ajeti's got the. He's got the strength and he's got the the, the pace sort of over five yards to get through. A lovely finish, really nice finish. But really, I felt so bad for Rossi because throughout the game he had made these great last-ditch challenges. I've always argued that good defenders shouldn't need to make last-ditch challenges because they they should be well-positioned to then cut out. That's why I don't like Ryan Porteous. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He put in a good performance uh, considering those teams shipped four goals. Okay, we've talked about bad defenders. We're going to keep on by talking about bad defenders by looking at Aberdeen nil, Livingston two, and the, yeah, I mean you're laughing, but the Aberdeen's first half performance was like something I have I've, I've never seen before. Uh, it was a, an own goal from from John Lewis. The ball seemed to you ever seen Sandman from Spider Man three? Joe Lewis became Sandman from Spider Man three and allowed the ball to inexplicably passed through him and then Nicky Devlin <laughs> I've never seen anything like this Nicky Devlin runs into the penalty box himself there's four players in there yet he's got no one within about a 10 yard radius of him he's able to bullet a, a header into the net um, talk me through Aberdeen's first half performance please Graham 
See, just before we do that, can both of you answer me, which one of those goals do you think is the worst goal to lose? Oh, uh, the, oh. the, the second one, because the second one's a system. I mean, the, the, it's a, Joe Lewis is, is a very good goalkeeper, and I think that you get that like once or twice a season from. But the the second goal is just a systematic failure from like four or five players all at once. It's got to be. It's got to be the the second goal. I one hundred percent agree with that. Uh, Joe Lewis has actually he's made, he's made a couple. Uh, he's made a couple. I made of, one. Uh, he made one earlier in the season, didn't he? Quite yeah, a bad against, against, against Motherwell. It was yeah. against Motherwell because it's always against Motherwell. That's it. Did he not try a, like a short goal kick and he passed it straight to a Motherwell player? Yes, he uh, did. Yes. So he's you know he's been a little bit more at fault this season, uh, but he's still like you're saying a very very good, consistently good goalkeeper. The defending for that second goal. I mean, even even the the cross in from Mullen. How is he able to put that cross in? He's got like two players coming up and closing them down and stuff like that. He's not able to swing it in. And Nicky Devlin's run is like, he's, be, he's at the back post to start with. He runs out of the box, right past, uh, uh, I think it's Tommy Hoban, and then straight into basically bang on the penalty spot. And nobody thinks I'd better go after him. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. So no, the, the second goal is a lot worse uh, from a, a defensive point of view, in my opinion. Good. Good. I'm glad we've got that established because that's exa- that's exactly what I thought as well. I'm glad. It was like right from the very start of the role of the place. I'm sure it's Greg Lee is in all the time in the world and passes that he's trying to play the ball out from the back and passes the ball straight to a Livingston player and immediately puts the entire team under under pressure. It was so cat candid. And on top of that, you can't account for for injuries, obviously. But three substitutions before the interval. It was just, it was just bad. It was just like such a, a bad forty-five minutes for, for, from Aberdeen. They just, I know they've, they've, they've turned the team over slightly. They've three players have gone, three strikers have gone out, three strikers have come in. But I just, I kind of look at. I mean, this is my impression. Somebody who doesn't watch a lot of, of, of top-flight football, the impression I get from Aberdeen. If I was Derek McInnes, I just, I can't even be bothered with this anymore. <laughs> and this is because, but but you know what I mean. This is because him. It's just like the same thing over and over again. It's just that that he just seems like a, an orca banging his head off the the wall at SeaWorld like he's got nowhere to go. It's a, he's it's been there too long. It's it's a completely loveless marriage now. Um, and yeah, um, I, I was trying to think of another analogy where I could smash Dave Cormack into this, but I can't. Um, I'm just liking the idea of free Derek with him in the back of a van with him pouring water over him. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, ju- jumping over a jetty. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very very poor from Aberdeen. Um, obviously, like well, we, we will talk about Livingston. I'm sure being very good. Um, but the the three the three subs before half time. I, I know that the the forced ones obviously were uh, Ashton Taylor and Ryan Hedges. But then poor Connor McLennan. Um, one minute after Ash Taylor came off, was hooked as well. Um, yeah, it, it just it, it sort of struck as a man who didn't really know what he was doing, and and like Derek McInnes has always had a, a plan with Aberdeen ever since he came in. Sometimes it's a very boring plan, uh, and the the fans can get annoyed at that, but it's effective. But now they don't even look like they have that. It's just it's it's a team that shipped out all their strikers and said, right, off you fuck, we'll get some new ones in. And that's just like, that is as drastic and as football manager as it comes for a team that's not doing very well. It's just like, do you know what? Do you know what we'll do? We won't change one. We'll change everything and see if that works. And um, it just smacks of desperation from a team that's still safely in contention for finishing best of the rest. It's mental. It's mental. But I think... um, 
Yeah, What's surely happening? Robert. Uh, yeah, I was going to say surely uh, the, the the team that are still in contention from best in the rest, but Livingston must be the favourites to to overtake them as best in the rest. This is I think this is their their twelfth or th- is it twelfth twelfth game without defeat under David Martindale. I believe they're up to thirteen or fourteen without defeat. Thirteen now, or fourteen but, uh, games. I think, I think I think it's thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. 13 games without defeat for, for David Martial. What do you make of Livingston's performance? You saw there was there was times against Aberdeen. Aberdeen trying to create some sort of rhythm, trying to create some sort of tempo, and guys like Scott Pittman smashing into players, uh, Steve Lawson, Jason Holt, all guys just 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 the the, the I know it's a bit cliche to say about Livingston, uh, but that just that the, the work rate and the, the 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 willingness to throw themselves around the pitch is is it's great to see. I, I honestly uh, just got goosebumps thinking about the closing down there and how good it was. Like I absolutely love it when midfielders just smash into folk and win the ball back. Um, and I think like my favourite thing, like obviously Lawson, Holt, and Pittman are all they, they work as a great unit, a great three to try and win the ball back and, and really get in the the opposition face. But what I really liked was Aaron Taylor Sinclair coming out and just doing it for a just doing it for a laugh sometimes as well. He was like, "Ah, oh, that looks like fun. I'll just I'll go and take it off a midfielder's toes as well, and then start an attack." It's just like absolute gung ho, um, like go for it football from the first whistle, and I adore it. It's it's just great to watch. The, the thing that blows my mind about it as well is I think as Alan Temple was talking about it, and you're right that Pittman, Holt and Lawson are a really good unit. Lawson has barely played this season. He's been in and out of the team. And then you... you but he comes straight way- into the team. And yeah, it's so, so he com- yeah, he comes straight into the team and it's like he's never been away. He just he, It's like you take out one player, bring in a guy who hasn't played much and you don't really miss a beat. And, and again, the way that they play, and like you say, Aaron Taylor Sinclair coming out of defence just to go and smash people as well. And you kind of assume that that's because they are such a complete unit, it's the same 11 every week and then you can swap them over and it's the same 11 every week so everyone knows, well if he goes, I got a cover but it's not, so if Aaron Taylor Sinclair comes out who has played again sparingly this season Steve Lawson's going to drop in, but then there's Jackson Longridge who, while he's been at the club before, is just back for about 20 minutes and he's dropped in at the back three as well to keep a clean sheet against the team that's third place in the league with a, a French loanee from, from Monaco outside him as well, a guy he's presumably never met before, none of this makes any sense, I like, that was, was, was that was that a back three of three fullbacks? Uh, it was Ambrose, um, Ambrose Taylor Sinclair and Longridge. I beg your pardon. Yeah, so yeah. so um, Ambrose was a back. So just, yeah, just Taylor Sinclair was a just just all right. Just the two of them in a back three. Aye, it's, uh, it's, it's it's great to see. You know, I, I really it's, I remember uh, talking about it's Gavin Riley. I think I think it was Craig Fowler who we've referenced a, a lot in this as we are obliged to. Um, we'll, we'll do any contractually podcast. contractually obliged <laughs> to mention uh, Craig Fowler but he said it's like Livingston the club where talk about Gavin Riley if Gavin Riley had gone to any other team in the Premiership he'd be like ah oh, he'll be a crap signing but somehow when players go to Livingston he's sort of thinking oh he might, he might be alright there yeah he's gonna score, he runs because that's his job <laughs> all he ever does is run and run and run I've watched him for hearts <laughs> And he was very, very good at just completely hassling uh, opposition defenders. And like, they basically brought him in as like, right, you are now the second Scott Robinson. So if Scott Robinson has to come off, you can then be an absolute danger to, to, the, to the opposition. And that's what he's very good at. It just makes sense. Like, he's the... Like you say, it's the only team in the top flight where you'd be like, that's a great signing. <laughs> because <laughs> it's like, he wasn't good for hearts. He, he just like, he tried and tried. And I, I liked him because of that. But it's like, that's not enough to, to, to get you a, another contract at hearts. But for Livingston, you'll probably end up getting in the Scotland squad. 
Unbelievable. At which point does Nicky Devlin start start looking and start tagging the Scotland national team and things on Twitter, just being like, I'm here by the way, I'm uh, scoring <laughs> goals, I keep clean sheets every week, I play in a back three, like, what the fuck, what do you want from me? The good news is if Nicky Devlin does get called up for Scotland, it is more ammunition to fire against uh, former Stenhouse new manager Scott Booth, who of course released him in 2014, and he said, you're not confident enough. And there you go, there he's uh, steaming that f- uh, from, that from right finish. wing back. Yeah, steaming in from right wing back into, a, into a deserted penalty area to smash home uh, one of the, one of the goals in the game. You got to say fair play Honestly, to the boy. I, I, I do this. Every, I do this. I, I do this every week. And every week I talk about Livings. I I absolutely fucking adore them. I really do. It's just the mo- it is the mo- it's the most fun watching football and watching them play because they are such an absolute carry on, and it's it's from nothing but respect for them for the absolute nonsense that they are. That I love them a bit. They're so much fun to watch, and it's such a carry on. Every single week, long may it continue. If they, I hope they end up the season unbeaten and desperately hope that they finish third. Because if they finish third, then they are guaranteed European group stage football next year in the UEFA Vanarava Conference or whatever the fuck it is. But Livingston going to group stage football in Europe is like if you don't want that, then just don't fucking listen to us, all right? Because if you don't want that, then you don't believe in the same things we believe in. So just fuck what? off. A funny, funny <laughs> club. You know that clubs could have like 150 years of history and would never have packed into it as much as Livingston have in, in their time. Remember, uh, was it Angelo Massoni? Was that the guy's name? Oh god, yeah, the guy, the guy that wanted the guy that wanted money in a briefcase from uh, from Jeff Brown when he took uh, Murray Davidson and Dave McKay to St Johnston. He wanted to have money in a briefcase at the Broxton Roundabout. Uh, he was he was definitely a legitimate businessman. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, we will finish up tonight's show by looking back at the final of the six matches. This is St Mirren 1, Hibernian 2. I think uh, St Mirren disappointed they couldn't build on last week's excellent wins over Dundee United and Celtic. Uh, the match seemed to change about just after the half hour mark where Jack Anik was sent off and uh, subsequently goals from Ryan Porteous and Martin Boyle for the Hybies were enough to give them the win, although Jonathan Obika did score a lovely consolation goal. Robert Borthwick, you're a Hearts fan. You like talking about Hibs though uh, what did you make of the old cabbage cabbage and ribs Hibs <laughs> thank you for clarifying um, well, that's okay some people some people you just need to talk talk through it sometimes ab- absolutely I, I think like um, interesting what you're saying there they were looking to St Miriam were looking to build on a, a great performance and a, a great win and I think that they they started very well against Hibs um, but as soon as the Terrible back pass, back pass from uh, Doyle Hayes and the indecision from Jack Anik. Um, as soon as that kicked in, there was kind of only one winner from the game. Uh, Hibbs, Hibbs looked at the man advantage and really took advantage of it. Um, I think that teams can quite often find that uh, coming up against 10 men can be a very stodgy affair, can be a very sort of a tactical, how do we get through them, how do we get past them, but... Hibs, Hibs are a good team full of good players um, and I think that a wee shot in the arm that they got from uh, from, from Anik getting his red card really just sort of you know it made things a lot easier for them against what is a, a, a pretty decent St Mirren side it allowed Jackson Irvin a lot more time in the ball in the midfield uh, allowed Jamie Murphy more time in the, the sort of transition to, to going forward and Hibs just looked at a lot more settled uh, when it came to it and you know, it's a couple of couple of decent results in a row now for Hibs. Uh, three wins in their last four, so that you know they're, they're quietly 
building that confidence back up um, after a, a, a sticky spell, uh, which included obviously their departure from the, the Betfred Cup yeah. in the semi-final stage. Um, I think, you know, with Jackson Irvin um, coming into the team with uh, Chris Cadden coming into the team as well, they've, they've added a bit of something they didn't have before, which is a bit of athleticism, uh, you know, a, a bit of physicality. A bit of strength, uh, sort of running right through the middle of the park there, which again, if you come up against 10 men like they did, that's going to be incredibly useful. Uh, and they, they were able to, to put that to their advantage. Then obviously, a man uh, full of transfer speculation came off the bench and scored. It's not Kevin Nisbet, incredibly, it was Ryan Porteous, uh, who came on for the, the ageing Darren McGregor at halftime uh, and thumped a header past, uh, past the goalkeeper. And from there on in, it, it did look a pretty comfortable affair for Hibs, even though it was a very nice goal from Abika to get St Mirren back into it um, but I think that boy Connolly is fast ah he's rapid eh? oh yeah I was like when I saw that ball played over the top and him hearing on to it I thought no no chance and then you're sort of like it's like cheering on Olympic sprinter by then yeah it was, it was a great goal certainly deserved to, to be a bit more than, than the, the consolation of that I want to ask you Graham I think that, that as we said earlier I'm, I'm not a big fan of Ryan Porteous and I firmly believe he'll be playing for Falkirk or a similar team in the next two or three years what's your thoughts on the young defender? I think he has quality I think he has everything that he everything that he needs to go and be a Scottish Premiership centre-half at the very worst. Like, at the very worst case scenario, that's what he can be for the next 10 years. And the question is, it's now getting to the point where over the next, sort of next six months or so, or next year, where he really needs to answer kind of what he's going to be as to whether he's going to be hip centre-half for the next decade, which again, absolutely fair play to him. That's, that, that's not a, a slight on him in any way at all, but that's, that's your level. You are Lewis Stevenson, you are Paul Hanlon. You, that's what you are. Um, mm-hmm. or alternatively you take the assets that you have as a player in terms of he is brave, he is strong, he reads the game well, he plays the ball well he is aggressive which again is is one of those traits in a player that you cannot teach, you can't teach somebody to be brave and you can't teach someone to be any any quicker than they are so take those attributes and make yourself into being a, a, a solid, dependable and reliable player and in fairness to Porteous as well, he's had a tough couple of weeks but Hibs have had a tough couple of weeks over the yeah. course of the season, Porteous this season has been significantly more mature than his kind of reputation is given um, it's, it's often assumed that he is a, a rash player or a, a player that gets himself involved in things which yeah, he does get himself in fucking involved in things because that's, that's the type of player that he is but he is a much more mature player than he was last year next year presumably he will be a better player again and that's the that's really where the question is just now where the, the interest is starting to come in from uh, clubs down south and looking at him as a case of where are you going to go and be and what are you going to be I, that's, that's interesting you say that when I talk about transfer speculation Kevin Nisbet was somebody who apparently turned in uh, uh, handed in a, a transfer request on, on Monday my first thought was who the fuck do you think you are um, <laughs> what do you what did you, what, Robert? What do you think about uh, Kevin Nisbet um, uh, uh, sort of looking to leave Hibernian at this stage? Um, so you can only really go on uh, much like we we're talking about with Declan Gallagher earlier on, saying that he felt that Motherwell had a gun to his head. None of those quotes were direct. That was all uh, a source has spoken to the Daily Record or a source has spoken to the Sun, uh, and it's very much the same with Kevin Nisbet. But the the story sort of was that. He was uh, uncertain about the ins- the assurances that Hibs were giving him on his future. A bit rich coming from the fact that he signed a four-year deal um, when he, he signed for them from Dunfermline. Um, and he, he basically felt like uh, Hibs were backing him into a corner, uh, essentially, and he, he didn't like it. So like anyone who's backed into a corner, he lashed out 
and he lashed a bloody transfer request right onto the desk of Jack Ross. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think I, my reaction was kind of similar to yours, Telfer, in that who, who the fuck do you think you are? Like you've, you've literally signed for this team six months ago. Uh, you've scored some goals. You're like it's a yeah. decent return. It's a decent return you've got, but you're not you're not scoring every single week. Uh, some of your goals have been penalties. Uh, you've only scored in seven games this season. Um, so you know, grow up. Uh, however, three million pounds from a, a an English Championship side is good money, uh, and I, I know that like Tony in the group chat has been saying like, oh, if he gets into the Euro squad, that adds a million pounds onto his price tag. Hmm, How? It's true, it's true. Does it? I think no. I think it is. If yeah, he gets a, playing, if you get, I know, but you're, he, no, you're playing. He, you're playing at a bigger stage. More people are likely to. I suppose if you just get into the get into if team, you've got to play. He's, he's, yeah, you've got to play. But I do think that it does enhance his value. That's something. That's something you can sell. You can say that I am a, a Scotland international. I think that um, pay me. Get getting into a squad, maybe coming off the bench in a game after Scotland have already been knocked out. That won't add anything onto your value. I'm sorry, it won't. And like it's you know if if Kevin Nisbet goes into the Scotland Euro squad as the starting centre forward and scores a couple of goals, absolutely, I totally agree <laughs> look, with that. That look, will look, put look, someone, look, but, look, look, look. but he's not going to because Lyndon Dykes is there. There are players who are involved in the SPFL Team of the Week that wear like like wear that like a badge of honour, and you and I both know how that Team of the Week is compiled. <laughs> that is. <laughs> That people don't will have that Craig, under- Craig, don't don't you dare explain how sausages are made. <laughs> <laughs> we all know how this machine works, and we all know that people will have that on their CVs and their LinkedIn pages. They will wear it like a badge of honour. So, f- uh, fair play to them, and fair play to Kevin Nisbet. But no, on the whole, I, I think he should just wind his neck and keep his powder dry, get his head down, and see what the lie of the land is like in six months' time. Um, I know you I didn't. I know you didn't ask me, Craig. But I know you didn't ask me. But I'm all with Kevin Nisbet. Make your money, mate. Somebody offers you three million pounds for you. Go, go to Birmingham. Make your fucking money. Worst case scenario, you end up back at Hibs on loan in six months. Make your money. Fair. Yeah, actually, I probably. You know, it's also. Can, can it be both things? Can I think who the fuck are you? But I also think yeah, <laughs> I'd like that to go on record. I actually think yeah, I agree and disagree with, uh, with Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin is Kevin is what's a guy who has dropped down various levels within the pyramid within the pyramid in Scotland. He has seen things which probably he does not want to see again. Um, yeah, so in that case. You just imagine yeah. uh, Kevin Nisbet crying with uh, Jack Ross on the roof of a tall building, telling Jack Ross, "I've seen things you people wouldn't believe: changing rooms with no heating, uh, <laughs> lines, linesmen running the game using underpants as flags, all that." I've been to time, like, for tears like, and rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything left to say about St Mirren versus Hibernian? I've got one more, which is essentially, you know the bit in, is it the thick of it, where he's just going, just sack Pat. <laughs> essentially that, but right, just play dodge. Like, everything else, everyone, everyone, all of Hibernian's front players look better when they're playing next to Christian Dodge, because Christian Dodge fucks up defenders. He gets in their, he fucking winds them up, he goes and wins headers in a way that Martin Boyle, who is also, in his own way, a pest, in a way that Kevin Nisbet, who is also a pest, they can't do what Dodge does. Dodge makes Murphy a better player. He makes Boyle a better player. He makes Dodge a different player, better player out wide. He gives Cadden something to aim at as a foot, as a wing back. Yeah, just fucking play Dodge. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's something. He just does something. He's got that presence about him, and it's very unselfish. Where you're probably going to see Chris Dodge like his his stats in terms of like goal return. This just might not be fantastic, but if you can just like raise the the, the profile of everyone around you, then 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 fair play. And apparently he's just apparently he's just an incredibly sound guy. So just play him. 
Make him happy. Yeah. Yeah, you listen. You listen to this, Jack Ross. He did play for the police, though, so that's got to be a, a mark against him. Oh, did he? Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck him. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with that? I like Roxanne. <laughs> and on that note, yeah, the police are a great band. I know that we were talking about the, the, the police force as a team. Yeah, the, the police are a great band, though. Um, you got you, you really have to give them that as a singles band. Some of the, the best songs in the, the pop rock canon. But we're not here to talk about Sting. We're here to talk about Scottish football. And I think between the three of us, I think we've achieved that. I think we've done a bloody agree. good job. I, I'm very going good. to ask just just at the very end. I mean, obviously, I I was drafted into this as a, a bit of a ringer. What did you think of my performance this evening? Um, do you want us to sort of read? No, you took too long. You took too long to answer. So I'm getting I'm getting used to this. If you t- if you take too long to answer, I know it's because you're thinking of either a very withering put down or you're thinking of something um, to to try and uh, su- su- sugar the pill, as it were. I always enjoy doing podcasts with people I don't regularly do them with, so I'm very pleased, Craig. Yeah, that's, I thought, that's fair enough. I thought, I thought you were going to say I always enjoy doing podcasts with people I don't like. I was like, fucking hell, man. That's, <laughs> that's quite no, something. That's, no, that's we, we don't get to do this often. I think I think if we're going to leave with anything, that is it. We don't get to do this often. This is, uh, that, yeah, that, this is a real uh, Tuesday afternoon at the Edinburgh Festival vibe of a lineup, uh, and I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, Graham Thewlis, thank you very much for talking with me today. Thanks, Craig. And Robert Borthwick, thank you very much for talking with me today also. Thank you, Craig. Uh, remember, uh, subscribe to Patreon, please. Uh, go for the top tier version as well, please. Um, that's where all the action is, I'm told. Um, yeah, and just enjoy your football. There's a, a mountain of f- weekend football coming your way and you want to put on your hiking boots, get your rope and scale it because that's what I'm going to be doing. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.